As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, including a new extra strength version of astaxanthin for immune, brain, and vision health. Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength. It's a naturally occurring carotenoid that plays an important role in cellular protection and healthy immune system responses. Astaxanthin has also been shown in clinical studies to promote normal cognitive function and may help to maintain a positive mood. In the eye, it helps to neutralize free radicals and manage eye strain due to computer usage. Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength is available at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's subject is something that I think is going to strike a chord for many of you out there because so many people these days are relegated to a lifetime on acid-blocking medication. These medications are considered a panacea for all manner of upper gastrointestinal disturbances, Originally intended for ulcers, uh, they're now used frequently to treat GERD, a condition which can be treated naturally. And it would be okay if there weren't a lot of downsides associated with the use of these powerful medications. And to talk about it today is naturopathic practitioner Jane Jansen of the Tree of Life Wellness Center in Massachusetts. She has a Unique perspective as a medical professional who, prior to becoming a naturopathic practitioner, spent years in radiology and ultrasound doing research and performing tests on patients with varying types of digestive problems. So she's, she's seen it from both sides of the fence. She has been in the belly of the beast and treating these conditions uh, conventionally, uh, but now is focused most on natural solutions. She joins us today to talk about acid reflux which is the most common digestive complaint people experience. And it can also develop into more serious problems if ignored. I, you know, uh, Jane, I, I recently saw a patient who uh, had been my patient many years ago. She went to see another integrated practitioner. They tried to treat her condition uh, with mere diet, uh, but unfortunately it didn't work. She developed a, a stricture, you know, due to chronic, chronic uh, excess acidity. And so there can be consequences to this condition if not treated properly. So you're going to give us some of the ins and outs on this. You recently wrote a very interesting blog on how to rectify acid reflux safely and effectively, which we're going to discuss today. Welcome to our podcast, Jane. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I appreciate it. And I think it's an important subject because I think it does uh, hit so many people. I mean, uh, worldwide, but particularly in the United States, um, I think most people are on an acid inhibitor for an extended period of time, which they weren't really intended to be used that way. Well, that, that's interesting because, it, in fact, if you look at the package indication uh, on these things, 
they're to be used for temporary resolution of problems like uh, ulcers. That was the original intent. You know, if you got an ulcer, okay, it makes sense because you got like a little crater, maybe bleeding in your intestinal tract. You got to turn off the acidity for a while while the while the condition heals. It's, it's kind of like a, a, a medication band-aid for uh, the problem while the wound heals, and hopefully it will. But a lot of people are being told that they need these medications for entire lifetimes. So what's going on? Yeah, it's unfortunate that, again, you know, for that short-term period, they can be actually very beneficial and, and helpful. But on the long term, it ends up interfering with the way your digestion normally functions. And in particular, what these medications are doing is shutting off the uh, production of acid by glands in the stomach. But you do need some acid in your digestive tract to help process your foods appropriately, as well as kill off bacteria, bad bacteria, viruses. Um, and it throws the whole balance of the microbiome off, which is the balance of your digestive tract uh, and helps to with absorption of nutrients and, you know, vitamins and even uh, medications. And in, in being on these acid inhibitors for long periods of time can actually decrease that ability to absorb not only nutrients, but also any medications that you might be taking. And in fact, there's actually a warning label on the package insert for many of these drugs that suggests that you might have a magnesium deficiency if you take these medications for a long time. It's actually sort of a bold print warning that these medications can cause magnesium deficiency. And I've seen them cause deficiency with other things like Vitamin B12, for example, and iron commonly, and possibly also other less well-monitored uh, uh, nutrients like zinc, you know, which is kind of hard to test for. So, yes, big problem. Uh, you write yeah, in your, I'm sorry, you write in your article that, this is an amazing statistic, in 2020, more than 57 million prescriptions were written for the PPIs. Uh Nexium in 2013 was the second best-selling drug in the industry, generating over $6.1 billion in sales worldwide. Well, that was 10 years ago. So, you know, just you know, put, put can't in, imagine uh, what it is today. Yeah, can't even imagine what it is today. Uh, part of the problem with these medications is, in a sense, they're ideal for the pharmaceutical industry because people sometimes say, look, you know, maybe I don't need this anymore. I'm feeling pretty good. I you know, changed my diet. Uh, I think I've overcome the problem. And then they stop. And when they stop cold turkey, they experience an immediate uh, return of their symptoms in spades. You know, they just feel terrible reflux and pain sometimes. And that's because of something called a rebound phenomenon. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, what often happens is that, you know, let's say arbitrarily you started off with 10,000 acid-producing cells, that taking uh, acid inhibitors over a two-month period of time, they found that now you exponentially increase the number of those acid-producing cells. So if you suddenly stop cold turkey, now all of a sudden you have tons of acid being produced uh, that, you know, has this 
terrible ramification and all of a sudden you go, oh, I can't stop this because now I'm having this terrible acid reflux or, you know, my digestion is just really off. Uh, and they found that um, took a group of individuals who never had a digestive issue at all, never had acid reflux, put them on uh, acid inhibitors for two months and then tried to take them off and they developed acid reflux. So in effect, they gave them a medically induced acid reflux merely by using the drugs when they started yeah. out normal. Wow. You could almost say it's addictive to the body. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. It's part of the problem. And, and we'll talk a little bit about strategies for getting off because I think you have familiarity. You know, people come to see you. They've been on these medications for a long time. And uh, you have to give them a plausible off-ramp for the medications. You can't just say, well, you know, just just stop taking the medications and here's some herbs, you know, or change your diet. You really have to use uh, a tapering strategy that maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about. But um, so... Uh, what are some of the problems associated? I mean, it'd be fine if, if there was no consequence to taking these things because they do provide relief in many cases. Some patients are very happy with the results. But what are the potential downsides? You alluded to them briefly, but what are some of the other consequences that we're seeing? What they're finding in many medical studies that they've done is that it increases the risk of kidney disease, kidney failure. Osteoporosis is well known. Uh, even pneumonia, developing cardiac arrhythmias, um, potential uh, increasing the risk of heart disease and stroke. And now they're looking at not only that, but also dementia as part of the problem because you're not getting those nutrients that you need uh, that is naturally developed in the microbiome, but also uh, from the different foods as well as any supplements that you're taking, vitamins, those kind of things. And they're looking at it interferes also in potentially causing an inflammatory response that can be a contributing factor to developing cancer. Mm -hmm. And possibly higher incidence of ulcerative colitis, uh, these types of uh, lower intestinal problems, certainly irritable bowel syndrome is fairly common. You know, you fix the, the upper GI tract, but in so doing, you may compromise the lower GI tract. Now, lots of gas, bloating, and, you know, diarrhea alternating with constipation, these types of symptoms. As well as, you know, C. diff and other bacterial uh, and, and autoimmune problems like Crohn's disease. So it, it does have, you know, significant ramifications down the road. And unfortunately, because though it's such a quick fix and people feel so good on it and they try to go off of it, they don't want to go off of it. And the doctors tell them, ah, don't worry, just stay on it. It's mm -hmm. fine. No problem. Um, but it is becoming a huge problem. And then people can eat a bunch of the foods that really they shouldn't be yeah. eating because their stomach is not telling them that. Exactly. You're, you're sort of blunting the warning signals that your body would normally give you uh, when the foods that you eat, you too, quantity is excessive or there's too much in the way of, of uh, fat or sugar uh, or spice in certain foods for you to tolerate, it, it blunts those sensations. Uh, I also want to point out something interesting. I've always thought about this. And perhaps you've given this some thought. Uh, cruise ship problems. They're 
is an incredible incidence of gastrointestinal problems on cruise ships. People develop things like the norovirus, uh, all kinds of problems. It's a big problem for the cruise industry because, you know, sometimes uh, up to 40% of people on ships develop these problems. But I often ask myself the question, why do some people develop these problems and some people don't? Well, it's a high proportion of older people who are on these cruises. They have disposable income. They have time. They want to hit their bucket list. They go on these nice cruises. And I bet you anything, a high proportion of them are on these acid-blocking medications. And I wonder if a study has ever been done to show whether uh, eliminating that acid barrier predisposes people more to these viral and bacterial infections that, you know, in effect cause Montezuma's revenge, traveler's diarrhea. It, it definitely incre- decreases your immune system's ability to fight off these viruses. So you may get exposed to them. A healthy digestive tract is going to repel them, kill them off, no problem. But if you're taking acid inhibitors and you have a weakened immune system and a weakened digestive tract, yeah, it's opening you up to these infections that um, are, you know, unfortunate but will happen. And if you think about it, everybody's going on these cruise ships and they want to chow down. On everything yeah, that too. There, um, they're going to, you know, take additional acid inhibitors in order to be able to do that. Okay. So, uh, what are some of the plausible strategies for getting off these medications? You know, let's start with diet because typically you go to a gastroenterologist and they realize that food may have something to do with it. Let's say, you know, stop eating spicy food, don't drink so much coffee. Uh, you know, avoid hard liquor, you know, they'll look at some of the, the typical things. Maybe they'll say, you know, citrus fruit could be a problem. So don't guzzle a lot of orange juice. Uh, but if that worked 100% of the time, uh, we wouldn't have a need for these medications. You know, that, that simple advice. Well, I think the, the first thing you got to do is, one, don't just stop the acid inhibitors because yep. then you're going to have this rebound effect and you're going to get nowhere. Um, but start kind of, again, I think you're right as far as, you know, you got to look at the foods that you're eating. If you're eating high acidic foods, if you're eating, um, you know, extra spicy foods or even the quantity of how much you're eating, particularly at night. Our digestive tracts slow down at night. A lot of people are eating late or they're snacking on on, you know, chips or popcorn or things like that that are going to aggravate the digestive tract and it doesn't process it as well. Um, And so you get to kind of look at those foods that you're eating, kind of tone it down a little bit, try to balance out your diet. Um, I tend to look at if you're going to eat more high fiber foods, try to get that in the morning and at noontime with your breakfast and lunch and kind of keep the fiber down a little bit more at at dinner time and particularly uh, the red meat and high fatty foods at night and try to keep the foods a little bit softer, a little bit blander at night and try not to eat quite so late and try not to eat such a large meal. I know there's this phenomenon that was noted by Dr. Atkins who treated a lot of people for overweight with, in effect, a relatively high meat diet. I wasn't worried so much about fat, but he was really militant about carbohydrates, put patients on very low or zero carbohydrate diets, the so-called Atkins diet. And what was noted is that some patients came back and said, yeah, you know, I've lost some weight and, uh, you know, my cholesterol looks better. But I've also noticed that my GERD symptoms are better. 
And that was actually noted in a study that was done on a small group of Atkins patients demonstrating that sometimes a low-carb diet can be helpful. Have you noted that with some of your patients? I mean, maybe it's something about fermentation in the gut? Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, usually the carbohydrates people are reaching for are the, you know, high-processed carbohydrates that, again, tend to ferment your foods uh, and, you know, easily turned into sugars, which, you know, feed bacteria, feed virus, feed fungus that's in the digestive tract. So it's just as much as possible, I try to urge people to stay away from the white flour products and to try and go more whole grain. Although some people tend to have issues with gluten, so they got to be a little bit careful if they tend to be gluten sensitive. Okay. So, so much uh, for diet. Diet takes us a certain uh, way. Uh, what about probiotics? Can probiotics help that? Because I've heard it said that uh, taking probiotics, which are so helpful for the lower GI tract, can also help the upper GI tract. Oh, probiotics are probably becoming the go-to supplement that doctors now are actually recognizing as being so beneficial on so many different levels as far as restoring the microbiome, the good bacteria, the balance of good bacteria and other nutrients in the digestive tract, which help with inflammation. It protects against harmful bacteria. It helps the immune system to function well, to help you digest your foods better but as well as producing various nutrients that, again, help the body to function better. But it really kind of depends on the probiotic as to, you know, how much benefit you're going to get. A lot of people tend to turn to uh, yogurt as a form of uh, probiotic, but there really isn't usually a lot there that's going to be, you know, significantly beneficial. And for people who have uh, dairy sensitivity, either lactose intolerance or um, casein or whey protein intolerance, uh, for them, it's a catch-22. They're getting some probiotic, but they're getting something else that's not helping. And so they don't really get where they want to go as far as balancing out this digestive tract. So what do you prefer as a source of probiotics? Uh, you know, there are these single species things, very high count CFU products. Uh, they're soil-based organisms. And then there's sort of multi-species combo products that are akin to fermented foods? Usually the the multi-species have the best success. Uh, In particular, um, in our practice, we utilize very specifically Dr. O'Hara's probiotic. We've used a lot of different ones in our practice, and this one has stood the test of time and unique and the way people feel on it and the results we get with our patients, uh, not only digestively as far as feeling better, and, and but also for other health concerns that they have, we see noticeable improvement. And the Dr. O'Hara's probiotic is very different from a lot of them that are out there in the way that it's processed. And that's a huge component to whether or not 
this bacteria is going to be beneficial or not. Because you can throw a hundred zillion, a zillion, zillion, and if they're not live, healthy bacteria, and if they're not in a medium that's going to help keep them functioning, uh, what they call prebiotics, to feed these bacteria as well as feed your own good bacteria in your digestive tract, then it's like throwing seeds onto, you know, a dry unnourished soil. They're just going to sit there and not really do much of anything. I've heard it said, and this is kind of anecdotal, I don't know if there are any studies on this, that uh, people have GERD can take the doctor here as capsules. They've told me this, that instead of taking one or two with a meal, uh, they simply chomp on these capsules, you know, which are fine to, to break in your mouth. I mean, they're coated, so they're designed to open up lower in the gastrointestinal tract. But by directly releasing some of these prebiotics and postbiotics and the live organisms into their upper GI tract and literally in their, their esophagus where there may be inflammation and discomfort, uh, that that has a, a beneficial effect. Have you seen that in your practice? And, and they might use Absolutely. more. They yeah. might use, you know, like like six or eight, you know, rather than you know, the usual one or two that you might take for maintenance. It, it's it's pretty incredible. I've had patients who have come, you know, they're kind of skeptical. Oh, yeah, sure, right, you know. <laughs> um, you know, how, how is a probiotic going to help that? And I will actually hand them. And they're having reflux at the time. They're having, you know, or just feeling this discomfort in their digestion, upper digestion. And I'll hand them one or two. And I say, go ahead and chomp on these. And we'll continue talking. And then by the end of the uh, session, uh, I'll say, well, how do you feel? And they'll look at me and go, oh, my God, it's all gone. I can't wow. believe how great I feel. It's kind of like holistic Rolades, you know. <laughs> but without the negative aspect. Exactly. And I try to look at supplements that have a po what I call a plus-plus. You get positive for the what you're trying to treat, but you get all these other benefits as well, as opposed to a plus negative, where, yeah, it's going to help you a little bit, but now it's going to have all these ramifications later on if you continue doing it. And a heads up to that product, it's spelling is a little squirrely. It's O-H-H-I-R-A. I always get it. I always think it's one H and two R's. Dr. Ahira's probiotics. And you can find out about them at EssentialFormulas.com. They're also available at Natural Grocers and Vitamin Cottage, Sprouts, Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, and other natural health retailers across the U.S. And also available online via EssentialFormulas.com. And do you, there's a, there are a couple of formulas. There's the professional formula, and then there's, the, there's another over-the-counter formula. Is there a big difference, or does it matter? Uh, yeah, the the professional formula has been uh, fermented for over fed and grown mm -hmm. for over a longer period of time, and so it's produced more of what they call the postbiotics, mm -hmm. that the postbiotic metabolites, which help to develop these nutrients that are beneficial um, for your digestive tract as well as your immune system. So particularly for people who have had chronic long-term uh, digestive orders, 
um, disorders. That's what I usually, you know, suggest to them. But people who are just starting out, and you can use this with children as well, and even babies, and what you can do is open up the capsule and just squirt a little bit of the paste out uh, yeah. into the food, mix it in with the food or a little bit of uh, beverage, um, and it can be helpful at any age. And this actually brings up an issue, which is that there's a, a very uh, frightening uptick in pediatric GERD, even among infants. And the solution sometimes is to put them on acid-blocking medication. And, and that is concerning uh, because, well, uh, you know, the impact on growth and development might be even more pronounced in the pediatric population than, than for adults. Yes particularly for brain function, um, they found that, again, you're decreasing the absorption of those nutrients that help feed the brain. And again, you talk about development, but also uh, other health concerns, other health problems such as asthma, uh, chronic allergy problems. And again, just getting into digestive issues, uh, you know, can be lifelong as, as adults. Uh, and it's becoming the norm. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I think it's something that needs to really be looked at in the conventional medical world, because this is, um, you know, changing the way our children are possibly developing as they get older. And the importance of the microbiome is increasingly recognized and how it impacts so many different uh, organ systems, how there's a gut-brain connection uh, and to virtually every part of the body. So microbiome Including seems mood. to be... I'm sorry, go ahead. Including mood. Um, yes. And so anxiety, depression, stress reactions, and you look at the number of children being you know, diagnosed with autism um, and on the different autism spectrum, Asperger's as well as sensory issues, um, it, it's in part potentially because of the microbiome being out of sorts and actually utilizing probiotics in particular, again, the doctor who here is probiotics, have seen improvement in um, these children's abil ability to develop. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's actually coming full circle because at first it was scoffed at this notion that the microbiome had some impact on the brains of children with neurodevelopmental problems. And now it's becoming, it's gone full circle. We're now recognizing that indeed it may play a role, at least in part. Okay, great stuff. But I, we want to get into some practical suggestions for tapering. And clearly, you know, you recognize that you can't just go cold turkey. You can't simply pop some probiotics and change your diet a little bit. You know, go into a Zen monastery and meditate and reduce your stress and all will be well. You have to have an off-ramp. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, your approach to tapering off these medications and also, uh, you know, some plausible uh, companion nutrients, uh, nutraceuticals uh, that can help ease the transition uh, along with the probiotics that we mentioned. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest today is Jane Jansen of the Tree of Life Wellness Center in Massachusetts. And uh, by the way, uh, Jane, you also have a website. Uh, it's holistichealthline.com. Is that correct? Is that the That's best way correct. to find out about you? Okay. And you also, you, you do a, um, a radio show or podcast? 
yes, we do. Every Saturday, a live show of people calling in with questions or having guests on and uh, presenting um, information to the public. Uh, in particular, I mean, our goal is to help people become as healthy and well as possible and, uh, you know, to be able to live the quality and longevity, uh, as you know, that we would like to. And your great article, The Dangers of Acid Inhibitors, contains a lot of information we're talking about in greater detail. Uh, that is at Jane's blog, which is at your website, correct? That's Holistichealthline.com. Good stuff. Yes. All right. When we return, uh, more on the subject of the dangers of acid inhibitors and how to wean yourself off using a more natural approach. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. We'll be right back. 